Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you, we bless your name, we give you praise, we give you honor, we adore you. Thank you for another beautiful Saturday in your presence. Thank you, oh Lord, for an experience, a fellowship of your church. Thank you for bringing us all here, a gathering unto you, to learn, to be taught, to experience, oh Lord, you. We are praying for impartation. We are praying for grace. We are praying, oh Lord, that may we be a step all closer to knowing you. May, we, may scripture be open to us. Oh Lord, as the ministration is ongoing, open our eyes, open our minds, speak to us. Put treasures in this message for us. Each and every one of us, speak to us individually and together as a whole. We pray that may your presence fill us wherever we are. May you empower this word. The Bible said your word is power. May you empower this word and may it spark something within us. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes. So if you can hear me well, you can just put a thumbs up in the comment section so I, I know you can hear me. Hallelujah. Yeah, so this week I was actually thinking about the word God has for us this Saturday. And it's funny that I didn't obtain the word till yesterday. And how I came about it is even hearing the voice of God, it's it's it somehow looks you know coerced. Like God literally made me find the message that He had for us. So the message is what harvest. God said that God has given us a prophetic word in this season that in this season, he's, uh, the, the souls are ripe. There are souls which are ripe. The harvest is bountiful. This is a season of harvest. This is a season of harvest. I remember last year we used to have, you know, topics for the month and we've not really been having that this year but god's word was direct god's prophetic word was this is a season of harvest and if we don't really take care we might miss this season of harvest and it might pass us by hallelujah what is a harvest a harvest is time where the results of sowing seeds are collected so a farmer a farmer sows seeds, goes to the open field, sows a seed. And after sowing the seed, you, you realize that as time goes by, the seed, you know, develops a shoot. And it becomes a young seedling. Then it becomes a young plant. Then it grows. And as it grows, you realize that a time comes whereby the plant has food on it. Or the plant has produced... Let me say fruits because the plant may not necessarily be a fruit plant but the plant is now fruitful it's now ripe for the farmer to come and harvest the crop and this is what we call harvest when the the plant the planting is ripe when it has gone through all the process and now it is ready to be harvested and and make due with hallelujah so a harvest is a time where the results of sowing seeds are collected. And we move on to another sub-topic I title, there is a season for harvest. As I said, it's a time period. It's a time period. Everything under the sun is bounded by time. 
we living on this earth we are bounded by time and you know god god's timing is past future and present that he has given us so if you look at the human world if you look at the human race you know that we we know we had a past we know we are living in the present and we know there is a future ahead of us and that's most at times we do not know what is there but the past we know what happened and we we know what is going on in the present times we don't really know what is going on in the future and that is time that is like the foundations of time past present future so there is a time for everything under the sun and it says here in genesis 8:22 while the earth remains seed time and harvest cold and heat the summer and winter day and night shall not cease so shall not cease hallelujah so in genesis it was telling us about the fact that there is a timing for everything there is a timing for everything so everything under the sun has a time it has a time i think it says in ecclesiastes that time and chance happen to them all time and chance happen to them all everything on this earth is bounded by time it is bounded by time hallelujah it says here i returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift nor the battle to the strong neither yet bread to the wise nor yet riches to men of understanding for nor yet favor to men of skill but time and chance happen to them all ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 11 so this ecclesiastes was written by the king solomon and king solomon was considered the wisest king of his time he actually did a study he had human wisdom to the extreme and he did a study that i've lived on the earth and I, i have wisdom god has given me you know wisdom that super exceeds you know what the normal human being will have and as i did this study i realized that every, everything under the sun the way you know under the sun the race is not to the swift not the battle to the strong everything is bounded by time that time and chance happen to them all and we have to take into consideration that he was talking in the context of natural world what he sees so in our natural world time and chance happens to everything the time you are given back to the time you grow you know the time period in which you grow the time you graduate from school the time you get married the time you get back and that's finally the time you die so everything is bounded by time time and chance happen to them all so is the harvest season so there is a time for the harvest season as genesis 8 verse 22 says that while the earth remains seed time and harvest cold and heat summer and winter day and night shall not cease so these are the let's let's say the foundational doctrines or the bible of farmers <laughs> the bible of weather forecasts you know they use this they 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 study the times they know this is summer they know this is winter and they utilize how they grow their crops according to it so if i am a farmer i i try to target when the rains will start 
So I start sowing my seeds, you know, in, in, in the summer, get close to the rainy season. Then I start sowing my seeds. So as I sow my seeds, then the rain immediately comes and starts watering it. Then it can grow. As a farmer, I won't sow seeds in the hamatan, in the dry wind. I won't do that. So harvest, there's a season for the harvest. As said in Genesis 8, 22, seed time, there's a time to plant a seed and there's time to harvest. As believers, as Christians, there is a time to plant seeds and there's a time to harvest. Most of the times, um, those who plant the seeds, you know, are less and are fewer than those who have it. Jesus was a seed that was planted. When he died, you know, for, for a seed to grow, you have to bury it. So Jesus was buried. Jesus was a seed. At that time, Jesus was to be planted. And when Jesus died, and the time period came back, he resurrected. The Holy Spirit came. Then the harvest, you know, started. So it is very strategic from Jesus' birth to his parents, to his death, to the time, to John the Baptist. Him, you know, the age, everything is, you know, bounded by time. It's no coincidence that John the Baptist was six months older than Jesus. It was God. It is strategic. So to see time in harvest, Hallelujah. So let's move on to the parable of the growing seed. It says here in Mark chapter 26, verse 29. He also said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up. The seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. There's the stalk then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Hallelujah. And this is Jesus talking about, you know, giving a parable of the kingdom of God. And Jesus relates the kingdom of God to a farmer, a farmer and his planting. He said, a man scatters seed. It's, it's amazing that the scripture didn't say seeds. It said a man scattered seed, single seed. So God is the farmer. God scattered his seed, and that is Jesus. So his seed on the ground. Said night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces me. The head, the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it. I know there is a deeper meaning to this parable of Jesus, but what I can take from it is that God, God has you know buried his seed. That is Jesus. The Bible said that until a seed falls to the ground. I hope I'm quoting the scripture well. So literally, Jesus died. You know, until a seed falls to the ground. Thank you. Yes. Yes. So Jesus had to die. Then when Jesus died, then the plants came. Then there was a harvest. 
so until one man dies you know there, there won't be a harvest until a seed falls to the ground and is buried you won't have a plant you won't have a crop you won't have a harvest so jesus is like kingdom of god so we are former in the seeds and thanks be to god we are all in the kingdom if you believe in christ if you are walking in the way of the spirit you are in the kingdom of god so god buried his own son for us and when god buried his son the fruits of 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 the of the seed or the benefits of the son's death is that he he it, it, it's harvested us so when jesus died then we became saved then we also were harvested and we were brought into the kingdom of god yes thank you so much god bless you brother daniel it says here it says here that very very truly i tell you unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies it remains only a single seed but if it dies it produces many seed so just a kernel of, of wheat falls to the ground and dies it remains only a single d and um, he said unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies it remains only a single seed but if it dies it produces many seeds so jesus is that kernel of wheat that died and when jesus died many seeds sprouted many seeds sprouted <laughs> there was a bountiful harvest so jesus god sowed a seed of jesus and reap the harvest of us. Jesus is the firstborn. Many more sons and daughters into his kingdom. Jesus, God reap the harvest of, her, of us. God reap the harvest of us. That now he can have intimate relations. That now we are not far away from him. Now he doesn't have only one son. But he has, you know, seven billion sons. <laughs> that is if we believe. Hallelujah. So yes, the kingdom of God is like a farmer growing a seed. Seed time came, harvest time comes. Jesus has been planted. That seed time has already been sown. There is a saying that goes that um, we are enjoying, we this generation, we are enjoying the fruits or the harvest of you know, the past generals of the faith that most of them had prayed for a revival most of them had prayed for this generation they had prayed so much that now we just enjoy you know the benefits of that prayer of revival so when we just align ourselves to god we just walk in it we just walk in it hallelujah so there is a seed time and there is harvest whenever god is coming to do something he always sows the seed before the harvest so if we are exper experiencing the miraculous you have to remember you have to remember take your mind back that jesus died for us and that's how come we can experience the miraculous the apostles were able to stand for the faith so we are enjoying the harvest hallelujah so moving on is, um, I want us to go to the harvest of souls. The harvest of souls. It says here in Luke chapter 10 verse 1 to 2. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him 
to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his field. So, Jesus, when he was on this earth, first he sent out the twelve. He sent them out, you know, to go and minister, to prepare the way before he comes. And the second, he sent out the 72, that they should go ahead of him to every town and prepare the way. Prepare the way. In my understanding, he sent them as a seed. Jesus had come, but he sent them as a seed, you know, to prepare the way. If there is no seed, there won't be any harvest. So he sent them ahead, preach the gospel, you know, deliver the people, heal the sick, cast out demons, do all this in my name. I give you authority. Prepare the way for me so that when I come, everything will be quick. <laughs> the harvest will just flow. I can minister. I can teach them and they will hear because they've already seen the signs. Now is need now the time is the time is needed for the harvest. Time is needed for them to hear the word, the words of life. So Jesus sent the 72 that they should go. And Jesus told them that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers to his harvest field. And at that time, Jesus was the only light. Yeah, he had the disciples. They were now learning. They were now growing. But Jesus was the only light. So Jesus said, the harvesters are few. I am a human being. I am limited. They've seen the signs. The Bible said the Jews seek signs. The Greeks seek wisdom. They've seen the signs. They've seen the wisdom. But I am only one person. I am, I am limited. I am bounded. I can't be at different places at the same time. So Jesus, Jesus said, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send more harvesters because the harvest is ripe. They've seen the signs. They've heard the wisdom. They need life. People to speak life into them. People to nurture them. People to, you know, let's, let's say when the harvest is done, you know, they, they, they take the harvest and you know, the workers, they work on the harvest, they group them, you know, they nurture them, they remove the bad ones and, you know, the good ones and it's like they literally prepare them. If it's grains, they sort them out. You know, if it's, I think with or something else, they do a winnowing or something, you know, they widow it, they work it out. They work it out. And they, the, the ones that can be planted again, they plant more seeds. This is the work of the harvesters. And Jesus is saying that the harvest is ripe, but the harvesters are few because he was just one man. Let's look at this scripture, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to 37. Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching. Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, 
the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few hallelujah so jesus the bible said jesus went through all the towns he was teaching in their synagogues he was proclaiming the good news he was healing their sicknesses and even in some parts he was casting out demons out of people they have never seen this they have never seen someone act with so much authority even the pharisees when they spoke they spoke in fear they didn't speak in authority because they couldn't obey the entire law so i'm sure when they were reading it it's actually <laughs> they could realize that oh, they are not really doing it but they are just saying it and they know that oh, we go to god and kill a cow or kill an animal and god will forgive us and we do it again like literally they so they were even fearful when speaking about the law because they know they couldn't really fulfill or they couldn't really um, fulfill all the, the, the law <laughs> so this is jesus and he was speaking in authority he was healing the sick so the people the attention came upon Jesus that we've not seen this before. This could only be God. You are healing a cripple that someone that was a cripple from birth. You are healing deaf and dumb. You are casting out demons. You are acting it in authority. No one can do this apart from God. I'm sure there were sorcerers and those people of their day. But when you see God, you recognize that this has to be God. So Jesus was doing all this. And he said that when he saw cross, he had compassion on them. They were following him. He was the only light. And they were all following him. They were helpless. Some were harassed. Some were harassed. A lot of things happened. And he, 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 he was pitiful towards them. That I'm, I'm just one man. I wish I could do more. But I'm just one man. So he said, pray to the Lord of the harvest. That he, he might send more harvesters. He might send more workers. The harvest is bountiful. The harvest is plentiful. There are a lot of people that are there in the world. You know, they are, they've, they've seen the sign. They've encountered God. They, they don't have anyone to nurture them because some of them have been have gone from church to church because when they go to this church it's like they are not growing they are stuck they are not growing they are stuck so what they have encountered the encounter they have had you know the light they have seen it, it you know it can't grow because there are, there, there are no harvesters. The harvesters are few. The harvesters are few. Sometimes you look around and you see people with large churches, tens and thousands of people, and and you, you it, it to us is like wow, this man is able to carry so much crowd. But to God is like I would wish one harvester per person <laughs> to actually focus on that person. And nurture the person from ground up. Yes, the person has 10,000 people. But how can the person, you know, nurture the person from ground up? You know, on, know the person on that intimate level. Some pastors cannot even be seen. Some people have gone to churches for years and they've never had an encounter with their pastor. 
because the church is so large. God wants harvesters. It's not because the man is pulling out crowds. It's because the workers are few. The workers are few. The workers are few. I was listening to um, Dr. Lester Simmerall. And he's, he's, I'm sure he's dead or something. Yes. And he was talking about how God helped him. You know, he started his, you know, casting out demons ministry. And he didn't know that he was an American. And all he knew was preach Christ. People were saved and what's not. And God started to use him to cast out demons. And it was strange at first. But God trained him in it. And one time he was in the Philippines because that was where his main work was at some time in his life. And there was this woman, she was, they brought her to, you know, on the TV station, she was in jail. And you can you can clearly see that this woman is, you know, under the oppression of the enemy. This woman, this woman is possessed. And God told him that he should go to the jail and go and cast out the demon from this woman. And this woman is someone that has come to all the TV stations and whatnot. So he was reluctant to go. He told God that God, you know, I'm building the church that he told me to build. <laughs> so I have a lot of things to do than to go to the jail. And God was like, please go and cast out the devil from this woman. Still was reluctant. He was going to build a church. <laughs> and that's so funny how God tells us, to do something we told god that god you told me to do this one so i'm going to do that but god is telling you now do this because you are working for god you are following his lead so he went to the jail cell met the woman and he, he just said in the name of god because he was coming he asked you know the mayor to see the woman because he was coming new stations came a lot of people came because they just wanted to see because they know he's a man of God and wanted to see. So he went to the jail cell and he casted out the, the demon from the woman. The woman was so happy. She was free. She was set free. And because of that thing he did, the whole city came to hear him preach the gospel. That he had to hire, you know, a very big place. The mayors, the dignitaries. The whole city came to hear the word of God from him because he obeyed God. Where am I getting at? All I'm saying is that before he went, he actually went to do the work. He had to hear God say that I have no one else to heal my daughter. I have no one else. He said, God, send someone else. It's like, I've trained you. I've given you the gifts. You are the only one that has it in this region. Who else? I have no one else. Please go and heal my daughter before he went to do that. That should tell you that the workers are few. God needs us. If you are someone that's always felt unwanted, maybe your parents didn't want you. Maybe your friends didn't want you. Everyone that you encountered didn't want you. I want you to know that God wants you and God needs you. The world needs you. We need what you have. We need the gift that has been embedded within you. We need you. The world needs you. God needs you. Yeah, you may look around and see pastors and see ministries and see all sorts of that and you'll be like, oh God, you have people doing your work. No, the workers are free. 
the workers are few. If the workers were not few, we'll see one pasta is to one person. But you see millions into one one person. Hardly can one person do all the work. The workers are few. That the harvest is bountiful. God needs you. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen. The harvest is bountiful. But the workers are few. The laborers are few. I want us to look at what to do in the harvest. I tell you what to do in the harvest. But as I start you writing it, I realize it is more than it is more than we can think of. <laughs> God, you know, brought a lot of things to mind. Hallelujah. Amen. So swing the sickle. Joel 3 13. Sorry. Swing the sickle for the harvest is ripe. Come, trample the graves. For the wine press is full, and the vats overflow. So great is their wickedness. I read again, swing the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, trample the grapes, for the wine press is full, and the vats overflow. So great is their wickedness. Joel 3, verse 13. Hallelujah. Amen. So you realize here that Joel is saying that the harvest is ripe, the harvest is full. And the first thing you have to do is to swing the sickle. The second thing is that trample the grapes for the wine press is full. This, this baffled me so much. Like, God, what do you mean by swing the sickle? Trample the grapes for the wine press is full. So when it's time for harvest, we, we swing the sickle. We, we trample the grapes. Like, God, what are you trying to tell us? Or what are you trying to communicate by this? And it says here that the time when the sickle is put to the standing grain refers to the time when the grain harvest begins. The time when the sickle is put to the standing grain refers to the time when the grain harvest begins. So a sickle is mostly used to harvest grain and wheat is in grain as we all know. So the time that you put the sickle, they put the sickle to um, to the grain is is when you are about to harvest when the grain time harvest so when you swing it you are about to harvest so after swinging it cuts the grain and it harvests it so it, and just saying swing the sickle it means that so when the grain harvest begins you swing the sickle to cut the grain and the next grains are repeatedly trampled in vats by barefoot participants release their juices and begin fermentation so grapes grapes we all know grapes how they are made to wine how they are made in their wine press what they do is that the people traditionally they trample traditionally they trample upon their upon their grapes and that's what they used to do i, I let me see here if i have a picture so they just trample upon the grapes to crush them and that is how they make wine in the wine press hallelujah and the sickle is used on the grain the sickle is used on the grain to cut it and that is how it is harvested hallelujah amen i'm just going to see if i can get you a picture 
So you see what I'm talking about. Yes. So you they they trample upon the the grapes, the 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 wheat or the green is you know they swing the sickle to get it. Yeah, I've gotten a picture. So let me show you. And that is how they used to make. Now they have machinery that they use for doing that. But in the olden days, they just trample upon them. Yes, you can see the picture in the in the group. You can just look at the group and see the picture. So if you see, just send me a thumbs up to, so that I'll know that you've seen it. So that's how they trample upon groups and they swing and the sickle to the green. Yes. So this 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 what happens. This what happens. Yeah, have a picture of a, a farmer swinging the um, the sickle to the green. Let me show it to you too, so that you can see how it is done. Just to give you a picture of what the prophet Joel was talking about. So it says here that the grapes are repeatedly trampled in vats by barefoot participants to release their juices and begin fermentation. So when the harvest comes, they use the sickle, they use the grapes. And you realize that the grain represents the bread. And the bread, who is the bread of, um, the bread of life? Jesus. Jesus is the bread, his body. So the grain represents the bread, the body of Christ. As, you know, we all learned that Christ is, you know, Christ is hidden. In the old testament so when you whenever you are reading the old testament just try to find christ so the grain represents the bread the body of christ because in it there is sweet and the wine represents his blood and he the bible said and he took it and he took bread gave tongues and broke it and gave it to them saying this is my body given for you do this in remembrance of me in the same way after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Hallelujah. So the grain that joy the prophet Joel is talking about is represent the bread, the bread of life, Jesus' body, and the grapes, the wine, represents yeah, his blood, the wine of Christ. So therefore, in the harvest. In the harvest, you have to be in union with Christ to function. So that is what God is trying to communicate. That in a time of harvest, you you know you swing the sickle, you trample upon the grape, and it's just trying to mean that the bread, the wine, you know, you have to be in union. And Christ said that if you eat the bread, it's a remembrance of me, my body. Which I shared for you. If you drink the wine, it is a remembrance of my blood, which I gave to you. And when we eat the bread and the wine, we come in union with Christ. So, therefore, in any harvest, when the harvest begins, you have to be in union with Christ to function. That is that is the factor that you need that is the foundation that you need that is the step that you have to go through to be able to function well in the harvest we are in the season of a harvest you know the harvest is ripe in this season and god needs us to be in one with him to be in union with him to be able to function well as harvesters 
to be able to function well as workers in the field. If you are not in union with Christ, you'll be doing your own thing and eventually mess up. It will lead to nothing. But when you are in union with Christ, you are able to follow, you know, the, the steps of Christ. It says here in Acts chapter 1 verse 4, yeah, it said while he was eating on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Acts 1 verse 4. So Jesus was telling them that right now he has died and resurrected. The harvest is ripe. It is time for them to harvest. It is time for them to actually do their work. The three years, you know, they, they work with Jesus. They have learned. They have grown. But they cannot function when the Holy Spirit doesn't dwell in them. They cannot go on with their ministry when the Holy Spirit doesn't dwell in them. Though the harvest is ripe, they need to be in union with Christ. For Christ to, you know, go ahead of them, lead them, guide them. For them to be able to harvest, you know, to have the harvest that is already ripe. They need to be in union with Christ. So Jesus told them that, wait for my gifts that my father promised. You have to be in union with me. And that is what we need to do in the harvest. So in the harvest, instead of, you know, going ahead, we have to do this, we have to do that. In the presence of God, be one with Christ, hear the voice of God. God, what should I do next? God, what should I do? Should I stay? Should I help this person? Should I not? Am I supposed to do this? So you have to be in union with Christ. You have to stay in the presence for God to tell you what you need to do. And I like that about the disciples. They stayed till the Holy Spirit came. And when the Holy Spirit came, the Holy Spirit directed them. The Holy Spirit directed them. It was until the Holy Spirit came that Peter stood before a crowd. A crowd not of their own. And spoke boldly. Because the Holy Spirit had directed them, them too. He didn't go ahead to do his own thing. He had to be in union with Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. So, I want us to know this. That the coming of the Spirit. I want, us, I want to speak about the coming of the Spirit. Then we go into um, what you see in the harvest. The coming of the Spirit. So, suddenly... That is Acts 2, verse 2 to 4. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So this was a harvest. This was a harvest. The Holy Spirit coming upon them was a harvest was the harvest though you know they were they were ripe they were ripe and as they were ripe the holy spirit came upon them the holy spirit came upon them hallelujah and this just reminds me of the script the scripture I, I read earlier the um the parable of the grain seed it says that all by itself the soil produces grain first the stalk then the head then the full kernel in head and i know it has a deeper meaning but i'm just being drawn to this scripture that the stock the stock is what actually holds the whole plant together or the whole grain 
plan together so the stock is jesus so first and foremost you know when the seed was sown when god um, 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 sowed his seed let me say it that way the first harvest was the stock because jesus resurrected jesus was the first harvest and when jesus resurrected they said the second is then the head so as jesus that holds everything together resurrected the head i'm sure it's talking about the heads of the church or the 12 apostles because they were the leaders so after the holy spirit came upon them and when the holy spirit came upon them they were full of the spirit they too were harvested then the full kennel that is the whole church in the head said so the full kennel in the head the whole church the whole church hallelujah the whole church was also harvested i know there's a deeper meaning to it but i'm so drawn to this this instance so the holy spirit came upon them and they were harvested they were in one room they were harvested and as they were harvested they they got to be filled with the holy spirit then what next did they do they went about and also prayed for people preached the gospel and as people that were you know harvested they too went to harvest others so the coming of the spirit was a time of harvest a time of harvest hallelujah and you you see the steps that it went through jesus resurrected the apostles received the spirit then they went to judea samaria and to the world at large paul sent it to the gentiles and the spirit was filled you know hallelujah so i want us to know the things you are to see in the harvest what things do you see in the harvest or what benefits do we gain from a harvest and this is to tell us that because prophetically we are in a time of harvest we are in a time of harvest and this 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 should tell you what you know the benefits you would be we, we ourselves gain from them the harvest the benefits that we see and what we see actually in the harvest of souls that is going on in the harvest in the season of harvest the bible said in psalm 128 verse 2 it says you will eat the fruit of your labor blessings and prosperity will be yours amen you will eat the fruit of your labor and blessings and prosperity will be yours so in a time of harvest you see fruitfulness you will see prosperity in the time of harvest hallelujah so this is one thing that we see in harvest we see fruitfulness jesus was planted as a seed then the holy spirit came and we see that as the holy spirit you know came upon the disciples and entered them we see fruits it says that they were 120 then you check them like there are more, 3,000 were saved, and a lot of fruits were, were coming up. People were being saved, people were being healed, people were even giving their properties to, to the kingdom of God. They lived, you know, in unity, praising, learning the doctrine of the apostles. They were being fruitful. And one thing that makes me know that they were so fruitful is the fact that even the people that used to weigh their weigh on their tables, 
they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Stephen used to serve, you know, used to serve them food because they were arguing about whose widows was left out in the food. Even Stephen, that was serving at the table. He was serving. He wasn't part of the apostles. He was full of the Spirit. And when he was caught, they told him, and they caught him into the synagogue. You know, they, they looked at him as they rained insults, as they rained accusation. They looked at him. And he looked, his face looked like an angel's face. And he spoke the word of God boldly. He was full of the spirit. That should tell you that they were beautiful. Even the person that was serving food in the church had the Holy Spirit. You can imagine. You can imagine. The Bible said, Philip. Philip. Philip was so fruitful. God used to, he, he operated in the gifts of the spirit. He, he would go to a town and people would be saved, the whole town. And he even, you know, baptized the Ethiopian Enoch and explained scripture. This is someone that was growing. This is someone that was fruitful. So Jesus' death was fruitful. Hallelujah. So we see fruitfulness in harvest. And the second scripture is that increase and multiplication second corinthians chapter 9 verse 10 now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness so increase there is increase and multiplication in the time of harvest the bible even says in in acts that said in acts chapter 2 towards the end and it said that and the number of the disciples, the number of the people, the believers were added on daily. So daily people came to follow, you know, the way. Daily people were baptized. Daily people got to know Christ. And the num- their number added. There is increase in their harvest. There is multiplication. One time they are 120. Another, another time there are 3,000 more has added. Increase in multiplication. And as they, they, they increased in the number of people, their supplies also increased. So this shows that God indeed provides your needs. God indeed provides. They, they, God provided. As their number became bigger, people sold the properties to help the church. And they themselves were in the church. They just wanted to hear the word of God, to live for God. And that was all. Nothing else mad, mattered. So... It said in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 10 that now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So there is also a harvest of righteousness. So as our numbers are adding, as there is multiplication in people, you also see that, you know, the harvest of righteousness, people are now righteous. The things people used to do, they don't do anymore. You see, that's why when there is, you know, believers who stand for Christ, I'm not talking about churchgoers in a town, you realize that the criminal activities have reduced. People don't, you know, do bad, bad things anymore because they all fear the Lord. They are all growing. Criminal activities reduce. There is a, a, a less, you know, bad things happening. There is less bad things happening. That is how come when a society removes God, there is a lot of lawlessness because no one has anyone to answer to. 
they think the law was created by human beings so they don't really respect the law they don't live for anything they just live for themselves so there is lawlessness what i feel i do hallelujah so there is increase in righteousness i i think that i think one of the generals of the faith if it's not um john wesley one of them he went to preach and when he preached the whole town i think he preached in a cemetery or something the whole town came to hear of his message all the bad people all the people doing bad things came to hear the message and they repented they cried their hearts out there was no healing there was no casting out demons there was no not really any miracles but people were just you know crying out to god confessing their sins and after that you know there wasn't any I'm robbery there wasn't any lawlessness there wasn't any murder you know those all those things had reduced because as a harvest of righteousness people were righteous hallelujah the next is rest so in in the harvest you 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 have to rest there is rest exodus chapter 34 verse 21 it says You shall work six days, but on the seventh day you shall rest. Even during plowing time and harvest, you shall rest. So this is talking about, I'm sure, actually about the law. The Moses explaining the law to the people, but what it says here is that when they work, the seventh day they shall rest, and it continues to say that even during plowing time and harvest, they shall rest. So in the harvest there is rest in the harvest you know sometimes people think the harvest is all work 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 cut 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 but moses stated that even in the harvest when rest time comes you have to rest there is rest in the harvest there is rest in the harvest so once in the time of harvest to there is rest there is rest people rest and i see it not to be so um natural in a way of thinking but then spiritually you rest from your hard work that is you rest from maybe all the things you've been doing because when you are sinning when you are going in the way of the devil you exert more you know strength you exert a lot of things energy into working for the devil if you realize if someone is committing adultery there are so many um energy that goes into trying to hide it from his wife trying to do there's so much energy that is going but then when there is a harvest there is a harvest and you will have instead of righteous you rest from doing all those things there is rest you rest knowing also you rest knowing that god got you covered first when you were not you know in christ you, you always feared That's it. What if someone shoots me? What if this happens to me? You know, what if I say this and it's not what I should say? You are always trying to look out for yourself. But when there is a harvest, when you are in Christ, you know that Christ got me. You know, He will help me with my speech. He will protect me. He will guide me. There is rest, knowing that God got me. And Jesus said, "Come, all ye who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest." So Jesus wants to take upon our burdens, wants to take upon you know anything that's burdening us, and gives us rest, righteousness, peace, joy. 
when they were in the storm, you know, the storm was coming and their boat was raging. Jesus was sleeping, he was resting. Because in the harvest, there is rest. In the harvest, there is rest. Hallelujah. God gives us rest. I remember when I, I was starting to know God, or when I was not in Christ, when I was on my running away journey, I will always used to get scared in the night when I sleep. And it got so bad that in the night, you know, I'd be attacked by demons and stuff. So I was always so scared to sleep alone, to sleep in the dark. So most of the times, I don't, I don't, I don't off my lights. I always leave my lights on so that, you know, I won't be scared in the night. But then when I'm right now, I'm in Christ. When I when I got to Christ, I realized there's no need to be scared because I can be rest assured that God will protect me. I can be rest assured that God will guide me. So all those fears were, were, were gone. All the energy I was putting into trying to, you know, on my light, trying to fear, it's all gone. Now I'm in, I'm, I'm in rest. And I'm in rest knowing that I'm under the shadow of the Almighty and God protects me, God guides me, God directs me, God orders my step, God orders my speech. So I'm not always thinking about how could this go wrong because I've already prayed that God take charge. So it is always going to go right. And even if I go wrong, I have this rest assured in God that he will work all things out for my good. He will work all things out for my good. There is a saying I say that he will work it all in. He will work it all in for my good. The next point is gladness and rejoicing. In the time of harvest, there is gladness and there is rejoicing. Isaiah 9 verse 3 said, You shall multiply the nation. You shall increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence as with the gladness of harvest. As men rejoice when they divide the spoil. So, in the harvest, when you know they divide the spoil, when they divide the crops, and you know they are happy. Just imagine a fisherman when Peter encountered Jesus and Jesus said, um, Man, have you no fish? And he said, Put your net, cast your net to the side. And they did it. And they got plenty of fish that even their nets were breaking. These men were happy. They were happy. They hadn't seen this before. So much that they left everything else. James, the son of Zebedee, John, the son of Zebedee, Andrew, and Peter, they left everything and followed Jesus. Just because of that miracle. There is gladness, there is rejoicing. There is rejoicing, there is gladness. Sometimes when you come to church or when you go to church, you, you see that your heart is burning, you are happy. You know, you're not thinking about anything, you are just happy. In the time of harvest, there is gladness, there is rejoicing. I, I really like it so much when I, I go to church or I go to a meeting and the Holy Spirit is just doing his thing. It's not really about the pastor preaching. It's not really about the miracle happening. But there is so much holy chaos. And that's how I call it. Because the Holy Spirit is healing this one. And the Holy Spirit is, you know, help decree and declare and prophesying by this one there's so much gladness there's so much joy in a time of harvest there's so much joy i sometimes i can feel the joy of the spirits because in that atmosphere people are believing in that atmosphere god is becoming real to some people in that atmosphere people are encountering god in that atmosphere people are obtaining the healing that they have longed for 
Hallelujah. There is gladness. There is rejoicing. There is rejoicing. You can see as when after those those times when we are worshiping, you can see people crying out to God. When we are praising, you can see people praising their hearts out to God. They don't care about the person standing next to them, but they are just praising God. There is gladness. There is rejoicing. In a time of harvest, there is gladness. There is the gladness that comes with the harvest. The disciples, when the Holy Spirit came upon them like tongues of fire, ah, after Peter spoke, they, they were happy. When Even after that, even when the synagogue leaders captured them, they captured them on what they, they, God sent an angel to, you know, open the gates of the jail and came out. And God said, go and minister again. They were happy. They went to minister. Again, they came to arrest them. They arrested them once more. And they let them go. And when they were going, they flogged them. They, they whipped them. They didn't just let them go. They whipped them. They flogged them. But these were people that were so happy that, ah, I've been able. You know, God has considered me worthy to suffer for the gospel. And they were happy. They were happy to be flogged. They were happy to be having to even be arrested. They were happy that, hey, I'm considered worthy to suffer what Christ suffered to suffer what Christ suffered. And this reminds me of what Jesus told um, Salome, the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Jesus told when the woman said that, Lord, may one of my sons sit at your right hand then one at your left. I'm sure she was thinking about an earthly kingdom that when Jesus comes to reign, you know, on the earth and the Romans, how they were all thinking that they overthrow the Roman Empire and reign and what have you. I'm sure she was thinking about that and she was saying that, Lord, let one of my sons sit at your left and the other at your right. And Jesus said, can they drink the cup I'm drinking? So I'm sure when they were going through all that suffering, they were thinking about that they are drinking the cup Jesus drank. What only the Lord could suffer, what only God could suffer in a human body, they were allowed to suffer that same thing, to drink the cup that Christ had drunk. Hallelujah. That is crazy. That is crazy. Gladness and rejoicing that they have suffered for Christ. I have suffered for Christ. There is a time of harvest that people are accepting God is so happy that someone will come and say that I, I used to do this, I used to do that, but now I do that no more. Christ has saved me. I'm a new creature. I'm a new being. There's this joy. There is this joy. There is this gladness in the time of harvest. The last is time of gathering. In the time of harvest, you see gathering. It's also a time of gathering. And you see a lot of gathering going on. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 5. He who gathers in summer is a son who acts wisely. But he who sleeps in harvest is a son who acts shamefully. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says, Let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So a time of harvest is also a time of gathering. As Galatians said, let us not lose heart in doing good, but we will reap in due time if we do not grow weary. So in a time of harvest, when the farmers, you know, are harvesting, they are, you know, swinging their sickle and 
their you know when their white friends they are trampling upon the grapes all those things are happening after they gather if let's say it's a grain they gather it in bands they gather the grains in bands they gather it so a time of harvest is a time of gathering that is where god you know sometimes god god you know harvest as god gathers us these people are like this let me put them here these people are like this let me put them here so god gathers the people god gathers the people it's a time of gathering so the bible said in acts that when the holy spirit came upon them when preacher and peter preached to the crowds they came and daily they gathered daily they gathered in the temple courts and they listen to the apostles doctrine they fellowship together they worship the disciple others they were together they were together so god gathered them and used them and i also see this as in a way as you know when they are gathered in bands when they are gathered in but sometimes there is some division there is some division so when paul was born to minister the gospel of christ god said you i'm sending you to the gentiles and god gave him someone he can roll with so sometimes you see a lot of churches and sometimes you don't really understand why do these churches do this they should be doing this more why do these churches do that they should be doing this more you are not realizing that it's a time of harvest and god has guarded them there's something god has deposited within them and they alone can do it best and at the place that they are doing so god has guarded them you stay here and do this you focus on this and do this and in that garden they are harvesting souls one way or the other and you realize that sometimes when you're even watching sermons online when you are you know some, sometimes you watch sermons sometimes you just watch fellowships and what have you it's not only one that you watch you watch different versions of you know preachers different versions of sermons and what have you why because each of them have something in particular they minister the gospel you know but they each of them have something in particular that god has given them that you you want or you want to take something from so i listen to this one i listen to that because there's something in that person that god has trained the person in that i can take there's this wisdom i can take from here this wisdom i can take from there so gathering harvest is a time of gathering that's when we come together that's when we come together we come together. Proverbs 10, 5. He who gathers in summer is a son who acts wisely, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who acts shamefully. So it's a time of gathering. It's a time of gathering. So a harvest also, let me state it, it's not a time where we have to sleep. It's a time where we have to get to work. And we shouldn't just go ahead and work, but we should stay in the presence of God to lead us. And what to do i want to end it so acts chapter 2 verse 42 they devoted themselves the apostles teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer so in the time of harvest this is what they were mainly doing they, they devoted themselves they were, they were in the presence of god they were listening to teachings. They were listening to fellowship. They were breaking up bread. And when Paul started to you know, persecute the Christians, they were all scattered. 
So by that time they were all scattered, they had taken in the word, they had fellowship, they had broken bread with Christ, they were in union with Christ. So once they were scattered, wherever they went, they preached Christ because the harvest was ripe. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for this message. We thank you for this season of harvest. We pray that may you prepare our hearts. Oh Lord, may you prepare our souls. May we experience, oh Lord, all these benefits of a harvest. We pray, oh Lord, that throughout the world may souls be harvested. We pray the prayer that Jesus said we should pray. And we pray, oh Lord, that Lord of the harvest, bring out more harvesters, oh Lord, to harvest your harvest. In the mighty name of Jesus, indeed your harvest is right. Do your thing, O oh Lord. Have your way. Have your way. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.